Israel has a new government. The president pushes global governance and wealth distribution at the G7 and the World Bank's efforts to number every human being. Well, we will analyze these events from a prophetic perspective on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, let me set the stage for this new Israeli government and what we are looking for from a prophetic perspective. You and I both know, according to the prophecies of the Bible, there's going to be a Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement that's going to be signed, and that's going to be the beginning of the final seven years to Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The final seven years is going to begin when the Antichrist and the international community give their support to Israel's right to exist in the promised land. And that was given to Abraham by God back in Genesis 15, 18. This is called the confirmation of the covenant in Daniel 9, 27. Well, of course, Israel's previous prime minister because Benjamin Netanyahu's on his way out now, or he is out as of Sunday. He had openly stated that the number one goal of his administration was to obtain the support of the international community for Israel's final borders. And he openly embraced the two-state solution back in his famous uh, Bar-Alan speech in 2009. So, there was this belief in the international community and that if Israel and the Palestinians could not reach a settlement, that the world community should formulate a peace plan and insist that both sides accept it. Well, before his election, uh, Donald Trump declared the number one goal of his presidency would be to achieve peace between Israelis and her Arab neighbors as well. And of course, you know now that after three years of determined diplomacy, President Trump surprised the world by announcing a peace agreement between Israel and not the Palestinians, but the United Arab Emirates. And a few days later, the country of Bahrain announced that they would uh, establish a peace with Israel. And so what happened? Well, on on September 15th, uh, 2020, representatives from Israel, United Arab Emirates, The United States and Bahrain met in Washington, D.C. on the White House lawn, and that's when they signed the Abraham Accords. So the question then becomes, well, hey, was the signing of the Abraham Accords the confirmation of the covenant that marks the beginning of the final seven years? Well, it's a very important question, and the answer to that question is no, it did not. The signing of the peace agreements by Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates is not the completion of the Abraham Accords. 
But notice in the prophecy, the, in Daniel 9.27, the Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many. After the accords were signed on September 15th, President Trump said that there were many other nations that are now anxious to sign on to the Abraham Accords. Also, President Biden and his administration fully um, advocates for, they don't call it the Abraham Accords, but for the normalization of um, relationships between Israel and other Arab nations. They're going to continue to push that. And so is the new government with Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid. But the most important signatory of the Abraham Accords will be when the Palestinians signs on. That's what you and I are looking for. The completion of the Abraham Accords must contain, I'm going to say, six specific elements. What are they? Well, number one, we know that the Palestinians must be included in the peace agreement. So just because they signed the, the Abraham Accords, and it's called the Abraham Accords, and in the Bible we're talking about the Abrahamic Covenant, it's not the agreement that we're looking for. Why? Because number two, a Palestinian homeland must be established in Judea or the modern-day West Bank. That has not occurred under the Abraham Accords, I should say yet. Number three, the Jews living in Judea will be allowed to remain there as a Jewish minority living in the midst of the Palestinians. That was not uh, included in the Abraham Accords yet. Number four, the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement so that all religions can worship there. That has not happened under the Abraham Accords. Number five, the uh, Israel will be allowed to build her third temple on the Temple Mount. None of this is being talked about under the Abraham Accords, right? And number six, Jerusalem will remain undivided under the Israeli control all the way throughout the end time. None of that is included in the Abraham Accords. Now, could the Abraham Accords lead to that? Yes. But presently, none of this is accounted for in the Abraham Accords. So the Abraham Accords is not the peace agreement we're looking for yet. That's the big yet, capital Y-E-T, yet. But when the Palestinians sign on and sign a peace deal with Israel that has these characteristics to it, then we will know, yes, we're in the final seven years, and that sets a lot of things in motion, okay? And that's the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, with that said, let's talk about Israel's new government. The government uh, was just voted in yesterday. And Naftali Bennett is now the new prime minister of Israel. He's got a sharing coalition with Yair Lapid. And this is very important that you understand this because a lot of people want to know what's going on with the elections and everything. I talked to my uh, class in the Jerusalem Prophecy College. We have a physical class in downtown Jerusalem. We teach them every Thursday morning right here from our studio in Dallas. And we see the class. It's like an interactive class. It's very cool. So I asked them, what about this new government? Which way is it headed? And... What's the goal? What are they hoping to accomplish? And they said, you know, we really don't know. I mean, they live there. They're citizens of Israel. 
And they said, because it's almost like a world government, they've just, or a world religion, they pretty much set everything they want to aside. Now, these are the members that have formed a coalition. They pretty much set some of their major beliefs aside just in an effort to have a coalition to form a government to unseat Netanyahu. And so they've agreed to things that they never would have normally if they had a majority in the government. But since they don't have a majority, then they had to compromise so much with everybody. And I'll get into this in great detail on the, on the other side of the break. But you, at this point, even there are major writers in the Israeli news media that still are wondering, what kind of government do we have? Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Volume 1, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. You know, everyone, that's one of the key takeaways. Now, I've followed this very closely all the way through uh, to see which way everything was going in the government. And, and nobody could really tell. And I was following some of the writers that I've followed for years. And they were saying, big question mark on their forehead, what kind of government are we getting? That's the thing. In the United States, when you have an election, it's either going to be, as a rule, the Republicans, and you know which way they're going, or the Democrats, and you know which way they're going to go. It's either right or left. But the government in Israel, they don't have a clue because the government was backed by eight of the 13 parties that won seats back on March 23rd. So for a total of 60 votes in the 120-member Knesset. So Yeshatid which is, um, the, they got 17 seats. 
the blue and white got eight. Yisrael Betenu got seven seats. Uh, Labor, seven. Yamina, six of the seven MKs. New Hope was six. Moret, six. And Raham, which is the Arab faction, three of its four members of Knesset. So you say, well, my goodness. I mean, they've got... So what you've got here is you've got people in the right, Naftali Bennett. You've got people that are center, Yair Lapid. You've got people that are all the way left in the government. You've got an Arab faction. You've got, I mean, it's just, there are so many different opinions and ideologies in this government. Nobody knows which way it's ahead because one's going to want to go this way. And all of these other people are going to say, whoa, 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 we don't want that. And they're going to have to do so much negotiation and compromise that even the people in Israel don't know which way the government's going to go. The, the um, current prime minister, Naftali Bennett, Fox News described him as a Jewish nationalist, but not really dogmatic, a bit religious, but certainly not devout, a military man who prefers the comforts of civilian urban life, and a high-tech entrepreneur who isn't really looking to make any more millions, a supporter of the great land of Israel, but not a settler, and he may well be not be a lifelong politician either. So what does that tell you? (laughs) He's uh, supposed to be pro-settler, pro-West Bank, protecting Area C, but yet on the other hand, all of his cabinet, all uh, of his um, coalition in the government, many of them are against what he stands for. So how how do you work together to get some of this stuff done? It's a mess. Now, the Jerusalem Post. Now, from a prophetic perspective, what are we looking at here? Well, I'm looking for peace agreement, uh, you know, the Six Trumpet War, the, the you know, how, how are they going to deal with Israel or with Iran? Uh, these are some of the things I'm watching because these are the prophecies that are upcoming. And one of the main news articles that I seen was the, from the Jerusalem Post. Can Naftali Bennett stand up to the U.S. on settlements and a Palestinian state. So, Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, he, he, he sounded like the, this right-wing leader that he is when he promised in his Knesset speech to ensure the national interest of Area C of the West Bank. And it's not an idle line because the phrase was also written into the coalition agreement between the Yamina party and that of Yeshatid. So it was a statement designed to sound to the Israel right as if it was a prolonged battle for the Israel control of Area C. That has involved sediment building and demolition of the illegal Palestinian construction and that it would continue under this new coalition composed of right-wing, centrist, and left-wing parties. But that's going to be a huge issue because will Bennett be able to do what he wants to do if he doesn't have any support from his government. So Naftali Bennett, throughout his political career, has been clear that he believes that all of Area C, where, all, where it's, this is where all the Israeli settlements are located, they should be a sovereign part of Israel. And in the Knesset on Sunday, he also spoke of his intent to strengthen the settlements throughout the land of Israel. 
Well, if uh, so, area C, you're probably sitting there going, what is area C? Well, um, if you would look on, let's say, the UN's website, over 60% of the West Bank is considered area C, where Israel retains exclusive control there, including over um, law enforcement, planning, construction. I mean, most of the area C has been allocated for the benefit of Israel settlements and the Israeli military. And then you have area um, A and B, which part of that's controlled by Israelis and Palestinians, and then part of that's controlled by the Palestinians. So forget about how this right-wing take on the future of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict works. And because with, with this left wing and the Arab coalition partners, this is why it's, it's so crazy. Because one has to ask, how will they coexist with the U.S. administration who is bent on preserving the bulk of Area C for a future Palestinian state by preventing further settlement and expansion? How is Naftali Bennett, who is going to be working against his own government, to try to get some of these things to protect that area and the United States. Prime Minister Netanyahu has said, hey, young man, what are you going to do about all these pressures, even within your own government, to protect that area out there? In his uh, outgoing speech, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, he underscored the challenge on this front. And he noted that the U.S. President Joe Biden, he's already requested a freeze on settlement building and Jewish construction in Jerusalem. So he's already against what Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is for. In addition, he said that the United States was bent on reopening a U.S. consulate general in East Jerusalem, which the Trump administration had closed. And it had served for, well, it served for decades as a de facto embassy for the Palestinians. President Trump said, nah, we're done with that. President Biden's wanting to reopen that. Well, Netanyahu said that he had suggested to the United States that the consulate be opened in Abu Dis, which is not in Jerusalem. But the or it's, it's at least on the other side of the border wall. Well, the Biden administration wants to place it in the heart of the sovereign city of Jerusalem, which, <clears throat> you know, it really it brings questions to me. Where, Biden, where's your mind at? Because why, why would you want to do that? You understand the conflict here, but it's, it's a, he's, a, he's an agenda-driven person. And so you can kind of get an idea what's going on inside of his mind when you think about all the agendas that are being pushed by the international community. He's a globalist. Of course he's going to go along with that. So if that happens, Netanyahu said, well, the issue of dividing Jerusalem is going to be put back on the table. So... This very young infant government is going to have to deal with these giant issues right off the bat. Prime Minister Netanyahu, he's been in power for years and years. And he's, he's a great politician. And he was good at just pivoting and moving over a little bit and pushing here, backing off here. And he kind of kept the United States at bay under Democratic administrations. I mean, President Trump was all on board with him. But an Obama administration, a Biden administration, they're going to be pressuring, pressuring Naftali Bennett. And Naftali Bennett is going to have pressure from within his own government. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Well, even more significantly, 
Prime Minister Netanyahu warned that the Biden administration was renewing efforts to support a Palestinian state that threatens their very existence. Because if it goes back to 67 borders, it's going to leave them uh, nine, while, nine miles wide at the, at the uh, waistline, which is totally indefensible. And so, and, and he warned that alongside the Iranian threat, that this challenge to Israel must be halted. So you got two major threats here. And this infant Israeli government is going to have to face Iran immediately. You understand Iran has pretty much surrounded Israel. They've got, troop, they've got troops or terrorist factions in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Yemen in the south. And so, and they also support terrorist factions right there in Gaza, which is Hamas. You understand that the rockets that they were firing into Gaza just a couple weeks ago or into Israel were funded by the Iranians. So, this is a very infant, infant government in Israel, and they're going to face major challenges right off the bat. Because don't you think Iran's going to want to try them? So, in a speech that sounded like a, a campaign address rather than a statement of concession, Prime Minister Netanyahu said that he could only he he only could prevent Biden from acting against Israel's interest on the settlements and the Palestinian state, because all of these actors, Iran, the international community, the uh, Biden administration, they're looking at Israel now like, hey, they've got a divided government. I mean, this is not all Netanyahu at this point. I mean, we can appeal to Naftali Bennett. If he doesn't want to do something, we can appeal to Lapid. There's many other different options here. And we'll have to see how it all plays out because it just, they got elected in yesterday. But we're going to be keeping a close eye on it because could this be the one that allows a two-state solution to be created? I don't know. But we'll definitely have to keep an eye on it because that's why I opened my program with the Palestinian-Israeli Peace agreement that's going to be signed. Will they, will this infant government, which is divided on many ways in the, in the, in the news, in the public eye, they would say, oh no, we're all together on everything. But I'll get to the, I'll get to something in a moment that'll let you know that they're not. And Prime Minister Netanyahu, on his way out, he touted as an example his refusal of the Obama administration's policy on Iran as proof that when it matters, he can stand strong against the U.S. He was saying, hey, we'll go it alone against Iran. And something that he said that Bennett would not be able to do. In other words, Netanyahu had sole power and throughout most of his presidency. Of course, then when he got in with Gantz, a lot of different things, but... Throughout most of his prime ministership, he controlled it. Well, imagine, imagine here in the United States with Democrats, Republicans, independents, liberals, all kind, everybody in one government trying to run it. I mean, imagine if the president and the vice president and the secretary of state were all different, had different ideologies of how government and our foreign affairs should be ran in the United States. They'd all be bickering back and forth. They'd be pushing and shoving and no, no. And so it would be a mess. Well, there's eight different parties in Israel. So you can imagine 
this infant government that's being formed right now, how it's going to be ran. They're going to be bickering and complaining against each other, not wanting to really go as one unit straight forward. They even have an Arab faction that's going to have a voice. So it was an odd statement. You know, really this statement coming from Netanyahu, whose weak point on the international stage has always been the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean, Netanyahu has always presented himself as the king of the right, right? And the leader who can best defend the settlements. But in reality, it's in, it, it is in his, uh, his place of utmost compromise. I mean, from the standing strong against the United States, he has a um, bent at almost every turn, including this year. Since Biden entered office, no West Bank settlement plans have been advanced or approved. That's a big thing in the eyes of the Israeli, of the, the ones in the West Bank. Because they want to expand. They want to build and have more settlers out there. But no, no. Under the Biden administration, he's called for a halt for that. And under Prime Minister Netanyahu, nothing has been advanced. Now, at the request of former President Barack Obama, he imposed, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu also imposed a 10-month moratorium on settlement construction in the West Bank. That was back in uh, 2009-2010. He did not approve the construction of 3,500 homes in the E1 section of Mali Adumim, that the huge settlement out there. And it's a project that has the, the United States has persistently opposed. And the approval of an, an entirely new settlements remained a rare event under Prime Minister Netanyahu. Most significantly, Netanyahu put the brakes on an annexation drive both at the end of Obama's term and at the start of President Trump's tenure. And Netanyahu preferred to wait to do annexation with Trump's support. And then when it seemed like he had that backing, he pledged to apply, uh, Netanyahu pledged to apply sovereignty to the West Bank settlements only to halt that drive when Trump withdrew his support because of the now Abraham Accords. Similarly, at Obama's request, he spoke of his um, support for a demilitarized Palestinian state and reissued his pledge to back such statehood under President Trump. Well, Netanyahu, of all politicians, has left the door wide open for Naftali Bennett to make compromises on this sphere. This is what we'll be watching very closely in the next weeks and months. How will these guys, what will they compromise on to keep the peace? They stand strong now, but when they've been hit with this pressure from the Palestinian community, inside the government, and the United States, how will they be able to stand against all of that? That's what Prime Minister Netanyahu is saying, no matter how right-wing it might have sounded. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, You can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So I want you to consider this when we're talking about this new infant government that's just been formed. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is to the right of Netanyahu politically. But think about this. He only has one coalition partner. Remember I said there were eight. He only has one coalition partner who supports his position. And that's the New Hope Party led by Gideon Czar. So you can talk, hey, I'm right and I'm going to do this and... But if the majority of your government (laughs) is against or doesn't really agree with, not necessarily 100% against, but doesn't necessarily agree with what you're trying to do, it's going to be very hard to get your um, edicts moved forward, right? So he's going to be sandwiched between a United States president who opposes his policies on the Israeli-Palestinian track and the opposition of many of his coalition partners. This is what he's going to deal with starting today. It's in the news right now. And that's, that's one of the key takeaways from this new government is that he doesn't have very much support even within his own government. Normally in a, uh, you know, in, in um, uh, let's say a Republican administration that comes in, President Trump, he's going to want to have all Republicans And then in a Democrat administration, Joe Biden, he's going to get rid of everybody that Trump had. And now he's going to have his entire. That's not the way it's done in Israel. These guys could not have a get a majority as one party that got a majority in the in the election. So what they have to do is they have to get at least 60 votes. This was voted on. They won. um, They formed a a coalition and were voted on 60 to 59 in the Israeli Knesset. The Arab faction of um, Ram abstained. So it allowed them to be elected elected as this coalition to form a government. So, but they couldn't, none none of them got 60 or 61 votes. So what they have to do at that point, they have to start forming a coalition. Prime Minister Netanyahu could not form a coalition. Well, then it goes to the president. The president says, okay, let's see. Who can best, has the best chance of forming a coalition? He gave it to Netanyahu. Netanyahu couldn't do it because he couldn't get everybody on board with him. These guys were bound and determined to unseat Netanyahu. 
so nobody would get on board with him. Well, Naftali Bennett, then it went to Yair Lapid. Yair Lapid said, okay, I'm going to form a coalition. He went around everybody, he got enough people together and formed a coalition. It got voted on yesterday and now they have a government. So uh, Naftali Bennett is the acting prime minister now. And then it's going to go to Lapid. I think it's after two or two and a half years. Well, unlike Netanyahu, who who has known Biden for, what, four decades, he cannot immediately isolate him. But Netanyahu has set the bar really fairly low when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian track. And now it remains to be seen if he's, if he's going to find a way, if Naftali Bennett will find a way to hold on to his principles, even with a government that doesn't stand totally with him. Think about that. And I, I imagine if President Trump came in and um, his secretary of state was not along with him. President Trump would say, okay, well, that's what happened. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It was the, uh, uh, Tillerson, Tillerson, I think. He was from here in Texas. He found out, Donald Trump found out he wasn't on board and he said, I'm getting rid of you. Well, Naftali Bennett necessarily can't do that because he formed this coalition. And so he's, he's really in between a rock and a hard place. I mean, he's going to have to find a way. We'll have to see if he can hold on to his principles that he's talked about during the campaign and everything without isolating the United States and his coalition partners on more than one issue especially the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and Iran, that's going to be consistent tension points in Jerusalem and with Washington. Because, you know, this Washington administration, Joe Biden, they've got their own ambitions, they've got their own agendas they want to push, and there are they say they're pro-Israel, and they are somewhat, but they're also pro-world government. So you've got the international community and the United Nations, which is anti-Semitic, and Joe Biden is trying to straddle the fence here. And so, man, the news is just full of this stuff. So this is what we'll be watching very, um, very closely in the weeks and months ahead. How is this? Will this lead to his, will Naftali Bennett crumble under the pressure and allow them to form an Israeli-Palestinian state. We know that's what's going to happen according to Bible prophecy. Will it be under this infant government? I don't know that at this point. It's something we have to watch. It's a total different dynamic than Prime Minister Netanyahu. You understand the dynamics here. Eight different parties. Uh, the Jerusalem Post, they reported that Benedict's first four um, events, uh, the, the first four uh, crisis areas... Under fire, there are going to be tests on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So most of major news sources understand, listen, Naftali Bennett, you talked a big talk, but can you walk the walk when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? This is the two things, the Israel-Palestinian conflict and Iran. What's the two major prophecies that are next to occur on God's prophetic timeline? A peace agreement between the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and a, the Six Trumpet War, World War III. These are the two conflicts that Naftali Bennett is sitting there staring at him right in the face. Beyond the United States and his coalition government, these two things are facing Israel right now in the eyes of the international community. 
So the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it's the most contentious and diverse arena for this coalition, period. And issues relating to it, are, are they're expected to be one of its weakest links because, well, it, it's, it's precisely here on the Israeli-Palestinian front that this new coalition is going to be tested both within the first weeks and months in four ways. You've got the Evitar outpost evacuation. You've got this flag march, which they said today it's going to go ahead and go on. You've got the Palestinian evictions in Jerusalem, which Hamas used that as a, uh, a catalyst to start launching uh, rockets into Israel. And there, there are four existing land issues. Now, they, they said that with, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the neighborhood. I'll get to it. It'll come to me in a moment. But the, that they were, these four families were the reason they started firing rockets into Israel. Okay. And for, because Palestinians wasn't allowed to go up and pray on the Temple Mount or something like that. But imagine, it's going to get, a, it's, it's a lot worse than that in the next few months. There are four existing land issues in Jerusalem that could lead to the evictions of not four families, but thousands of Palestinians from their homes in three East Jerusalem neighborhoods. Imagine, this is staring Naftali um, Bennett right in the face, everybody. This new infant coalition. The, the, the one that captured the media attention and that um, of Hamas last month was the fate of the families in um, uh, Sheikh Jarrah. That neighborhood, the uh, the high court of justice has yet to decide whether to weigh in on the matter or to allow the evictions to move forward. No date has been set for that decision, but dates do exist for additional cases. That's just one. The attorney general is expected by the end of June to issue an opinion on a land case in Sawan's Bataan, Ohio, which is, and that can impact at least 700 Palestinians. And there's another land case regarding Al-Bastan in Sawan that could impact more than 1,000 Palestinians. That's been delayed now until August. And then there's like 13 families that could be in danger of losing their homes, irrespective of the ruling, because they fall under the dictates of the um, Kamenitz law, which blocks them from seeking any additional legal recourse. So this one, uh, one Palestinian family was already given a notice last week that they had 21 days to destroy half of their home. Otherwise, the municipality would move uh, to knock down that portion of his abode. So it, it's, a, it's a demotion that could equally spark violence and the pending evictions that neighborhoods have been under intentional scrutiny. And then finally, the issue pending evictions in the Wallaha neighborhood of East Jerusalem, that's also due back at the end court on uh, June 21st. What's that, next week? The right has viewed each of these cases as land issues. And the ones in Albastan had the Wallaha evolve municipal plans for parks. And the cases in Sheikh Jarrah and Bataan Ahawa, they are involving property disputes between Palestinians and Jews. So, but they, they are seen within the larger context of this Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and they're placed within the prism 
of the battle for sovereignty in Jerusalem. This is what I like to step out of this and look at the big picture. And think of think of being a day old Israeli government and think of being the prime minister with a coalition of individuals that do not agree with you having to face this. How would you handle that? And with the United States looking down your uh, looking over your shoulder and with the international community looking over your shoulder and the European Union looking over your shoulder and the Palestinians ready to go to war at any point. And you're Naftali Bennett, prime minister, newly prime minister one day, and you're looking at all of this. And prime minister, outgoing prime minister, Netanyahu said, Naftali Bennett, you're going to crumble under the pressure, my friend. Now, this is where we're at today in Israel. And it's so bad that, like I said, major news sources in Israel have no clue which way they're going to go because there's so many in this coalition. So with, with, with the left and the, the Palestinians believing that the evictions are an empty, or, or I should say an attempt to, um, by the city to seize control of Palestinian neighborhoods for Jewish projects and residents, it's a real mess. I mean, the neighborhood battles have sparked these tensions and violence with European Union and the U.S. weighing in on behalf of the Palestinians. I mean, it is, it, it's like, what are you guys, well, I know what they're thinking. They have that globalist mindset. Hamas has also threatened violence as a result of this, which they just did a couple weeks ago, you can see. And the issue of Sheikh Jarrah in particular was one of the sparks that led to May's violence. Then, of course, there's Gaza. That's a huge problem. Naftali Bennett has got to deal with this as well. I mean, there's pressure points all over. The, the um, Israeli Defense Forces and Hamas, that 11-day war that ended on uh, May 21. But it's unclear if the calm is just a lull in the war or it's the end of the, this round of violence, really. I mean, Hamas was already renewed its threat of more rocket fire with regard to the flag march. And there exists this real chance that it could um, make good on that threat. And Bennett and Lapid's coalition could be in the position in its first week of deciding whether and how to retaliate should that happen. I mean, it would mark the first time that Israel would have a coalition with divergent views on how to handle Hamas rockets. Think about that. With an Arab faction in your government, all of these issues have to be dealt with by the Bennett government, with the possibility that the failure to find a satisfactory response could lead to renewed violence. Will he be able to withstand the pressure in the face of everybody against him? Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Now, it actually gets crazier than what I just talked about, everybody. The Israel National News reported. Now, I, I told you that there was an Arab faction in the Israeli government. A lot of people don't know that. But there is an Arab individual. His name is Mansour Abbas. And he's going to have a voice. They, he was one of the ones that allowed them. They got him on board to be able to form this coalition. They needed X amount of votes. And they got it with Mah, uh, Mansour. I want to call him Mahmoud Abbas. It's not the leader of the, the uh, Palestinian Authority, okay? His name is Mansour Abbas, Abbas. And he's going to be in this government with Naftali Bennett. Well, how do you think, what, what do you think his mindset is concerning the Palestinians out in the West Bank? You think he's just going to leave them out and go along with the Israeli government? Absolutely not. In a speech before his swearing in, he's the Ra'am leader. He vowed to reclaim the expropriated Lands, lands that have been politically taken away from them. So you know exactly, he, tell, he's, he has spoken plainly, here's what I want to do. I'm going to take back land that was politically taken from us, the Palestinians. So the United, it's the United Arab List, or Ra'am, the leader, Mansour Abbas. He's the Arab faction in the new government. And he will have a voice, I promise you. Imagine if he bailed. There would go the government, right? I mean, he stated that we will reclaim lands that were expropriated from our people. And this is a national cause of the first degree. Now, he said that. Now, get this. He's in the Israeli Knesset. Abbas said that in Arabic in his speech before the Knesset plenum yesterday evening. But then he switched to Hebrew. Understand the dynamics here. He, imagine if it was somebody was in our uh, speaking to the Senate and spoke in English, but then began to speak in Arabic. Gave a message and then went back to English. What, were you, what would you think? Well, Abbas spoke in Arabic and then he's speaking in the Israeli Knesset. So then he speaks to, he switches to Hebrew for the end of his speech. And at that point, he said, well, we all come from different, very diplomatically. We all come from different nations, different religions, different sectors. And there is one thing that connects all citizens of Israel, and that is citizenship. And so you're sitting there in the Knesset. They're scratching their head going, hold on a second. I want to know what he said when he was speaking in Arabic. What would you do? 
It's the exact same thing I'd be thinking. Well, Abbas rejected claims from the right that the incoming government had sold the south of Israel to his party. He said, nobody sold the south to Ram. It remains in the state of Israel. So he's being very diplomatic. The citizens of the south are citizens of the state of Israel. There's a disagreement about the ownership of the lands. This happens in all modern countries and that deal with situations like this. So when he's speaking in Hebrew, everything sounds wonderful. In Arabic, I'm taking back lands that have been expropriated from my people. Well, a religious Zionist party chief, Basilil Smotrich, you've heard about him, he's all over the news. He responded to Abbas's comments and he said this. He said, so Abbas is once again putting on a spectacular show of hypocrisy with a nationalistic speech in Arabic in which he says the truth a speech full of soothing words in Hebrew, then, intended for the Jewish listeners who are blind and deaf, especially those who make themselves so. So, if you're, wonder, if you're sitting back looking at this Israeli government and you think, hmm, I wonder which way they're going to go. Nobody knows. The, the um, Carolyn Glick, I mean, some of the major writers for the major news sources in Israel... They're asking the question, go, you can go look at them. The, which way will the government go? We don't have a clue. What kind of government are we getting? They don't know because they understand the pressure, the pressure from everybody that's going to be on Naftali Bennett. How will he react to the pressure And the, from the outside and also how will he react from the pressure within his own government. Now, they've got their goal. They've passed their agenda. They have, they have unseated Netanyahu. He's on his way out. Now, what's Israel going to do? Well, back to Mansur Abbas. He clarified. He said, these are my boundaries. So now he's, remember a Knesset, Mansur Abbas, and he said that if decisions are made, Listen at this statement. He said, because he, they got him in the government to be, to get Netanyahu out. They were grasping for straws. They got a boss in, but he's clarifying his statements. But listen at this very closely. Mansur Abbas said that if decisions are made that run counter to Islam, his party will resign from the government. Now, you want to know, that's, that's craziness it, to be in, in Israel and Naftali Bennett is going to try to get agendas pushed, that he, his, his ideas, he wants to get pushed, but he's got a guy saying, hey, if you do anything counter to Islam, I'm out. In Israel. So in an interview with the Panetko Il website and the Hala TV channel, Abbas said that Member of Knesset, Saeed Al-Karumi, was absent from the vote on the approval of the government in coordination with us. And he stressed that the party is united under his, Abbas's leadership. And he added that in the first meeting with Prime Minister Naftali Bennett that will take place this week, he intends to raise the issue of home demolitions in the Negev Desert in order to change the policy from demolition to planning and construction. 
And Abbas said, this government was established. Now, you got to listen to, I'm quoting this, you guys, from this Mansur Abbas, this Arab faction in the new government. He said, this government was established based on our will. And we will influence it at every moment. His Arab faction, we will influence this government at every moment. Today, we have proven that the Arab community is a strong player in the political arena in Israel. He clarified this government is dependent on us and our decision. And if there is a decision that contradicts our national principles and our religion, we will not be there. So he was asked if he intended to overthrow the government. And the boss said, get this, we will act responsibly and not childishly. So there you have it. There's my report on the one-day-old new Israeli government. So, does that leave us with a few questions? Oh, man, does it? What about the two-state solution? What about the religious faction in Israel? You know that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu always had the ultra-religious in his, in his uh, court. And they were pushing things like the 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 the, um, the the transit trains running on the Sabbath. Didn't do that. But under this new coalition, I think I read where they're going to push for the trains to run on the Sabbath. You say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, you're talking about moving towards religious or well, way. And where things nowadays don't become... Um, you know, maybe to, to a lot of these people in the government, the two-state solution, they think, well, maybe that, might, that may not be so bad. And they may be able to be pushed. You understand that these, uh, Naftali Bennett, I read where he is the third generation from the forming of Israel. So you've got, um, you had like Menachem Begin and their generation. Then you had Netanyahu and their generation. Now you got these younger guys coming in. I think Naftali Bennett is like in his early 40s. And they're coming in. They have different ideologies on things. Now, I've also read where Bennett is to the right of Netanyahu, but he's going to feel immense pressure to buckle and to compromise even within his own government. You just heard it from Mansour Abbas. So there's a lot of questions on the table. The Israeli-Palestinian, when the international community comes in to this infant government and said, two-state solution and maybe a, a, um, a, a, an embassy for the Palestinians in Jerusalem. I mean, that's, these are things that Naftali Ben is, is going to face immediately. How will his government react to all of this? Well, I'm looking at this from a biblical prophetic aspect. We know the Bible says there's going to be a two-state solution created. The Jews living out there in, the, in many of the settlements will be allowed to live out there as a Jewish minority in those settlements in, under Palestinian jurisdiction. I've got articles that say there, many of them are willing to do that. That seems crazy to me, but I, they, it's, there, a lot of them have said that. Netanyahu was also willing to do that. Bennett has said no, but again, 
you can see the immense pressure that will come from all sides on him, even within his government, folks. So will he buckle and get a peace agreement signed? I cannot answer that question. I promise you I will be reading everything I can get my hands on to that end over the next week, few weeks and months. Because if they get a peace agreement signed, this is why I started my program with this. If they get a peace agreement signed with those characteristics, the prophesied characteristics of the peace agreement that starts the final seven years, folks, we're going to be off into it. And then right around that time, there's going to be a six trumpet war. How will Bennett and Gantz and Yair Lapid and Abbas, who's Arab, how will they deal with Iran? getting a nuclear weapon, which President Biden of the United States is wanting to go ahead and sign the United States back into another JCPOA, a a, a Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Will that lead to World War III? These are the next two things that are on God's prophetic timeline. Now we have a brand new government that they, they don't even agree with each other. How will they stand against Iran, the international community, against the United States when Abbas, the Arab faction, over Ram has actually said, if they do anything anti-Islam, I'm out. So there's my report on the new Israeli government. There's so many angles to look at this, but I'm looking at it from the prophetic perspective Because I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus splitting them clouds before very long. And I know that there's going to be a peace agreement and there's going to be a six trumpet war. That peace agreement, if it has those characteristics, starts that final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I will keep you up to date. Myself, Doug, Vince, End Time Ministries, our team will keep you up to date on everything happening from a biblical prophetic perspective with this infant Israeli government, with Naphtali Bennett. Folks, keep Israel in your prayers because there's a lot of people over there that absolutely do not agree with what's going on. So keep them in your prayers throughout the end time. I want to say God bless each and every one of you and thank you for joining me today on End of the Age. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.